You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Good afternoon if you're listening online or good night, whatever time you're listening. It's great to have you here today, but it's also great to have those listening on the podcast. But um, yeah, we are going through the book of Luke. We started chapter one last week and explored the question of is Jesus enough? Well, that's the, the whole question is series that Luke wants us to ask as we hear stories about Jesus, we hear accounts about Jesus. And I'm not looking for a kind of a that, uh, what do you, how can I, that vibrato answer. Yes, he is. What I'm looking for is us as a church or those listening is for us to ask these questions deeply in all areas of our life. Is Jesus enough? Hey, I picked my little girl up, Aria. The other day, and um, she was really quiet. She's normally like me. She's normally very vocal, extroverted, <laughs> a talker. But so I straight away could tell that something was up because she was very quiet, thinking about something. And I asked her a couple of times, "Are you okay?" She was okay, but she was quiet. And um, and then later that night, she asked Mum. She could talk to her. They often do that. She asked Mum if she could talk to her. We all said good night, but. Just as mum was putting her to bed, she said, can I talk to you, mum? And they shut the door and had a bit of a chat. And mum later told me that she had a little bit of a cry. She had had a disagreement with a friend. Uh, not kind of bullying, nothing tragic, not, but she was just a little bit sad at about this disagreement with her friend. I was just reflecting back on that afternoon, picking her up from school, that uh, we all can have these little struggles, these quiet struggles, can't we? Or, or even though my daughter's seven, Sometimes we don't know things that are going on in our life. Sometimes we don't know here, right now. We don't know the things that people are facing, the quiet things. The quiet struggles, the quiet things that no one ever knows. But I was really touched by the picture of how I felt safe enough. She talks to me about stuff like this, but it's nothing like talking to mum, her mum about this stuff and being able to cry and talk and express how she felt. And she slept much better after that. Story today we're going to look at is our first story out of Luke. It's not meant to be part of our current series on prayer, as that's part of our transformation trek, our monthly theme. But as per normal, God has his ways, doesn't he? And it's beautifully complemented our monthly practice. So let's read out of Luke. Let me read, open your Bibles. It's the first story, Luke 1 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacchaeus who belonged to the priestly division of Abjah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They were both old. They were both very old. Very old even. Not just old, very old, sorry. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled 
and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight in you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Crazy that. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in their spirit. The power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children, to the disobedient, to the wisdom, to the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well among in years. Remember, very old. (laughs) The angel said to him, I am Gabrielle. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until this day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. A little bit of context for these passages, a little bit of just context before we get into this. Um, Firstly, something I really like, 24, it says divisions of orders of priests. Uh, Basically, it's a roster. (laughs) Um, He was on a roster for the temple. It comes out of 1 Chronicles 24. There's a roster for those that are descendants of Levi for the temple work. I love this. So often, let me be honest, so often as a church pastor, people want to, and I get it, we talk about the Holy Spirit and being guided and people just want to, man, I just I just want to do what the Spirit's saying and amen, we do want to do that. But there's kind of this, oh, I don't want to be on a roster though. <laughs> I don't want to be scheduled to something. Then I definitely have to commit to it. What if that day that I wake up late and had a really late night the night before and, and don't want to, I also feel like God doesn't want me to do it. <laughs> Do I still have to be on the roster type of thing? They're pushing against me. We don't like schedules. It's not fun. And I love this. Back then, there's always been rosters. There's always been schedules. And so I so appreciate this church and a roster. It has its schedule, the planning we put in. This doesn't accidentally happen, what's happening right now. The lights don't accidentally turn on. The slides don't accidentally, the band don't accidentally sound like that. Rosters happen. And we really, really appreciate everybody that commits themselves to these things. It's an ancient practice. It's not something new that we do to torture you. And so I just encourage you, if you're part of this church, join the roster, the schedule. Be a part of the body. It's a great way to organize everyone. It's an ancient practice. It's not something new. (laughs) Rant, roster rant over. All right, now some actual context. It's been 400 years since anyone has heard from God in every any real sense when we when we when we open this passage today. God has seemed very quiet. Roman or Rome occupy their land 
Pharisees are carrying on and performing, doing their antics. But here is this couple who are serving quietly. And they have some struggles, some quiet pain. They've never been able to have children and they're very old. I wonder how many of us can relate. Not so much to not having kids, although that's common too. Or struggling to have kids or being very old. Not necessarily talking about those things. But I wonder how many of you here and listening have asked the question amongst your quiet struggles, does God even see us? Do you reckon he even knows about our struggle? Is our struggle too small or not big enough for God's attention? I mean, he's running the universe, right? Is he really worried about my quiet struggle? I know for some of you, as mentioned, some of you are legit having trouble having kids. And you don't realize that's even a thing until you try to have kids. And I remember when me and Mez were trying to have kids, we suddenly realized, oh, this is a thing. This is a quiet struggle. The reason we didn't know, no one talks about it. These quiet struggles, these private struggles. Does God see us? Does he know us? Does he understand? Does he care? And being that I reckon we're all in that boat right now, I reckon there's moments, yeah, I'm not saying we're all massively struggling, but I know that a heap of us would have things like my daughter Ari that we're quietly processing. Maybe it's a loved one that hasn't found Jesus. Maybe it's a quiet health concern. Maybe it's some results. Maybe it's a career thing. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a, a family thing. Maybe it's a friend. We, we have a life, and in that we have some quiet struggles. I want to bring you three encouragements out of today's passage. Three encouragements. And remember that this whole book is addressing, is Jesus enough? Three encouragements out of this whole book, but particularly this passage today. In so many ways, as we look through Luke, I'm looking for you to deconstruct your faith afresh in a safe way. Look, you can ask these deeper questions. Is Jesus enough in your quiet struggles? So my first encouragement or lesson we can learn from this story today is he sees you. He sees you and he hears you. Those days where you feel a bit defeated, lonely, like it's a bit too much, it's a struggle. There is fear when someone doesn't want to be your friend, like my daughter Aria. There's things that aren't also necessarily universe-turning stuff, but God sees you. He hears you. He is present. You are not just battling alone. He knew this couple's inner pain their whole life. He heard it. He knew about it, and he was stirring in it. He had a plan for it. Yes, he knows this nation's pain. He's heard it. But he also knew this couple's pain. He heard their cries. He knew it. He knew them. And not just the pain, but he also saw their generosity, their private time they'd committed to their church and their life and those around them. He sees your private generosity of time, energy and finance. 
He sees the things no one will ever know. He knows the kind deeds, the faithful service. I think of our foster carers here or those looking after aging parents or a neighbour or you're looking after a work friend or those, those gestures to family members or fellow church family. God sees the quiet moments. God sees you serving, looking after these kids if you're a foster carer, looking after those parents if you're looking after them. God sees you. He knows. Maybe it's not up the front what you do. Maybe it's not preaching or declaring things loudly on Facebook. But in your way, and my goodness, we need a few less people declaring things loudly on Facebook. But in your way, you are faithful. You're obedient and obviously not looking for praise. But sometimes you can't help but wonder, and that's okay. Does God notice this? Does he care? And this tells us he does. He noticed this couple, their roster commitment, their faithfulness to their community and their God. He saw them. He sees you and he hears you. He sees you and he hears you. First encouragement today. Just before I move to the next thing, can I just share something that stirred within me while I was preparing this sermon? I kind of just felt led by praying through this sermon. And particularly the young but older people can hear this as well, but it's particularly young people. Sometimes young people, including myself in that, I'm trying to stay young, we or be included, we feel the need to post every single thing we do. And we do this to feel validated or seen. I have done it before. We just attended this concert. I want people to know I'm cool and hip and at this concert. Just went to this awesome place. I want people to share. You'll say, I want people to share in how awesome this place is. But part of us is wanting to be validated. Maybe if I go to this awesome place, I'm awesome. I just ate this. I work out here. I attended this. I brought this. And there's nothing evil about celebrating each other. But here's just my little off the side comment, opinion, stirring, call it whatever. Church, let's be young people in this church. Let's be careful to not rob the audience of God. Sometimes bringing it to him quietly is enough. Sometimes the moment shared with friends is enough. Sometimes the moment shared amongst a family is enough. God validates us, not what you post. Maybe before you go to get the validations, the like buttons, the the clicks, the reshares, consider that God would like to validate you. He is enough. He declares what is beautiful and good and he thinks you are. He sees you and he hears you. You don't always need to go beyond to be validated. Just be careful. Don't wholesale this just to feel good about ourselves because it's a quick dopamine hit. Let God's grace, his presence, his freedom do that work. Anyway, that's a personal stirring. Maybe it was for me. Maybe I, no one else relates, but I know for me I need to look to God's validation more, not my view count, the likes, the reshares. Just a stirring of the Spirit today. Second encouragement. is 
not only does he see or hear you, but God is working. He is working. 400 years, no one's felt like they've heard or seen him, I guess. He has somewhat remained silent, but we see here that he has been working. He's been waiting for the appointed time, but the plan has been unfolding nevertheless. He has been working, stirring in people's lives like this faithful couple. He hasn't given up. He is working. God doesn't just see your pain and your quiet service and go, thanks guys, that looks bad, laters. <laughs> He's working in it. He can work in it. You may not see or understand in this lifetime, but he is working. You may too. How cool is it when we get to this next life? Well, how cool is it even in this life sometimes when you see those moments and you get a glimpse of God's work and you go, oh. I know many of us here have had those experiences in this life. Blessed to it. There's going to be so much more. I feel like all of heaven will be going, oh, that's what he was doing. Oh, I get it now. But how cool even now when we get to see that. Every now and then, I've only lived a short amount of life so far, but every now and then, God gives me a glimpse of what he's doing. You run into someone that you connected with five years ago and they've found this and they've done this and they're connected with this and they're connected in that way. You're like, oh, wow, that's what God was doing. I thought that interaction was random. That's what God was saying. That's what he was working. He's always working. This couple who had no kids the first people to hear from God in 400 years get to have John the Baptist. Oh, that's what he's been doing. <laughs> he's working. He sees you and hears you, but he's working. God is working, using it all for his glory and will. Your pain, your struggle, your service, it is not for nothing. It's not just busy work. It's just not to kill time. God can use it to, in his divine will and ways to shape you and to shape others and to ultimately shape this world. He's working. And then my last encouragement today in this story, and it brings a few questions with it, the last is, to step out in faith and hope. My last encouragement is, he sees you, he hears you, he knows you, you are known. He is working and so therefore we can step out in faith and hope. Zacchaeus asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well among years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel, standing in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent, not able to speak. He couldn't help himself. He's standing in front of an angel of the Lord and he has to question him. Now he doesn't drop dead. It's no massive punishment. He just has to be quiet until the baby's born. He's a good man, but at that moment, he needed to step out in faith and hope. <laughs> he needed to...
press on. It's been done. He needed to move on into this divine new season to listen and grow and go into this season. Here's my wrestle with this story, though. Let me be honest. Let me ask the deeper questions as we ask, is Jesus enough? Let me ask this deeper question here. Here's my wrestle. And we can overlook this, but I know a few people that have had trouble having kids who didn't end up having kids, even though they prayed. On the same note, I know a ton of people who have prayed for healing who didn't get healed. And they meant it. On that note, I know a ton of people who didn't have their dreams and prayers answered in the way this couple have. I know tons who have had healings and I know tons who have had miracles and things fulfilled, but what about the ones that don't? What's the deal with that? How are we to step out in faith and hope if we don't always get the outcome? What a super deep, important question to ask ourselves. And funny enough, it actually links to this time of prayer, this season of prayer we're in, but it also links to the whole John the Baptist story. What do I mean? Well, here we see John the Baptist's birth, where God is at work, he sees his people, and John the Baptist is born. This couple haven't had kids. But later on, John the Baptist becomes this prophet, and we're going to explore a little bit of it in this Luke series. But later on, he baptizes Jesus, but later on, at the near the end of his ministry, John is captured and in line to be beheaded. And John sends a servant to his cousin Jesus and basically, paraphrasing here, this servant comes to Jesus and says, when are you going to rescue John? <laughs> He's in jail. He's about to be beheaded. When are you going to rescue John? And Jesus is obviously saddened by this. His cousin, he cares, he sees him. He... But he basically says he's not. That's not what he's here for. That's not what the Father has asked. It's not part of the plan. So John is beheaded. John's prayers, in a way, the outcome he was looking for, is not answered. Now, John's okay now. He's in heaven. He was a prophet like Elijah. He's probably having a great time. What an interesting way to finish his story. You see, what it teaches us, what we can learn from this, is stepping out in faith and hope isn't faith and hope in the outcome. It's faith and hope and God and his kingdom come. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the prayer we've been exploring this month. Faith and hope in what? Not the outcome, but in God's goodness and his coming kingdom, both now and eternally. So yes, sometimes that works out. Then that means God will bless someone of a barren couple. 
and they will be blessed with children in an old age as to work towards his plan. Sometimes that means life doesn't work out the outcome you would want, but it serves a purpose for what God would want. And John is restored and healed in the kingdom to come. God answered his prayer 100%. God sees him and he's working, but it's to his glory. It's his will be done. It's his good, powerful, restoring will. Which does bring miracles, healings, birth, restoration, and makes all things right eternally. So it's a good will, right? Hence Revelation, the book, being one big exhortation that God will win and restore in the end. It's a good will for all. But in terms of the outcome, well, that's God's. John's will was not done. Jesus was. Jesus worked for the kingdom's need. It's not the appointed time. So church, there is a deep encouragement here to step out in faith and hope when you're confronted by an angel, when you're confronted by a stirring from God. Know he is working. You don't step out because there's a Lambo waiting for you in the car park if you just visualized it or thought about it a lot. The universe is not here to serve your will and thank goodness thank goodness it's not here to serve our will can you guys imagine just for a moment and we're going to wrap this up but can you guys imagine living in a world made a trifle well that would be my will (laughs) it's not good for everyone it's probably not good for me long term probably make us all sick the custard would go off. It's not about our will. Thank goodness it's not about Steve Gray's will. It's about his good and perfect will. When you're walking, when you're practicing and living in the faith and the hope, your day is transformative. You are changed by this will. Miracles happen, amen. Life is restored, amen. Reconciled people, relationships are forgiven. Freedom is given and taken place. The kingdom comes and his will is done. In your home, in Burley, in your workplace, in your marriage, as it is in heaven. God sees you and he knows your quiet struggles. God is working for his good, which is all our good. And we can step out in faith and hope if he's asked us to move. We move, we go. It may not go exactly how we would see it. But ultimately it will be good. And made perfect. Three questions for you today. What does it look like to pray and live like God is listening? When you pray, because we're in the month of prayer, what does it look like to pray like he hears you? What does it look like to pray that he is there and he, he knows and he sees you and hears you? What does that look like for you? Write some thoughts down there. Second question, what does it look like to pray and live like God is working? Not pray and live like he's on the other side of the universe. Not pray like it's a religious thing that you have to do. Pray like he's going to work, like he is already working. And lastly, what does it look like to step out in faith and hope with the Father each day? What does it look like to step out 
and go, Dad, you know what's best. Your will be done, but I'm in. I'm so in. So excited for the adventure you're going to bring. I'm so excited for a new day. What are we going to do today, Dad? What does it look like to step out every day in faith and hope with a father each day? Deeply consider these questions, church. Let me pray. Father God, I know that we are struggling in all types of ways. Life may be good, but we've all got quiet struggles. And Father, you're a safe place to talk to. You're, a, you're the person to communicate with. Before we go for validation or Google, doctor, or whatever, before we go to any of that, we should do that, but let's, let's we'll take it to you first. You see us, you hear us, you know us. And Father, we thank you that you're always working. Always working. And Father, we just pray for a little bit more faith, a lot more faith in you and hope that we can step out in boldness and do the things that you've asked us to do, knowing that it will serve your good and perfect will. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.